Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Detroit News, Lions beat writer Justin Rogers. Whenever I'm bored out of my mind and I've hit the end of the internet and I've got just nothing, nothing else to do, I listen to Detroit Lions podcast. Lions with it, second and goal from the eight, down six, but on the move. Chris, working from the gun, looks out to the right, now checks out that Viking defense. Takes the snap, back to pass, looks right, got Chase in the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions! That's it, pack the bag, start the plane, this game is over! How big is that? And now it's time to start the Detroit Lions podcast. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who haven't scored since 1958. Chris and Case. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast. This is episode 197. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit, and I am your dashing host, Chris. With me is my good friend and co-host, Case. How are you doing, my man? Really, really cold, Chris. Uh, it is currently negative 30 degrees outside right now where I am, and that's not including wind chill. And I know that uh, for you, down keeping your beach day ass sunny in uh, where you are that's not an issue but up here we're all freezing our asses off well it looks like you're hiding the nuts from the elephant that's for sure all right well until we got a great show today we got uh we're gonna take a new look at the free agency pool out there we're gonna do a senior bowl report got information firsthand i was there how about that we also have dean blandino gonna join us talk a little bit about some of the officiating that went on uh, last week and a whole lot more. We got a great show lined up. Case, you ready to go, my man? I tried to stand up off the toilet this morning, and it was like reenacting a scene out of a Christmas story. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you imagine how that went. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, time for a couple of quick announcements. First, check us out and help us out on Patreon. Special thanks to Dylan from. Oh, Ooh, yeah. And of course, our very first donor, Mathis. We love Mathis. He came in. He, we didn't even talk about this thing. It was like five minutes after we set it up, and there he was as our first donor. Thank you, my man. And thanks for being around for so long. Also, Brian B from I Prevail, IPrevailBand.com. Check them out. Brand new album coming soon. News coming within a month about it. Lots of good stuff coming. He's going to be on the show very shortly. And uh, some other stuff. Great guy. Great group of people um, all around. I prevail. His family, the whole thing. Check them out. And uh, they're, they're good friends. So uh, make sure to listen to their music. If you'd like to join the crew on the Patreon crew, it's patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. You get access to Slack, our Slack channel, which is the most intelligent Lions chat on the Internet. And it's incredibly case People, a couple of people, okay, I got to donate. I, I got to check out this this intelligent chat out. Let's see what you got. And they all went in. They're like, holy crap. 
it's like the real deal. We're troll free. It's 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 a beautiful place, isn't it? Yeah, it's been good. And I expect there to be a lot of content, you know, just chatter about uh, this guy, that guy, uh, whatever in, in the off season in regards to free agency and the draft. So if you if you want to keep up to date on some of the risings and fallings of uh, potential additions to the team, it would be a great place to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Smart, smart people with really good ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. This has become something really nice, really special. Great group of people. Also, you get access to the pre-show show when we do that. And we're going to be putting a couple of other things up on the website in that Patreon-only area as we build that out and as time permits here. You can get access to all that stuff. Just go to patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. As little as a dollar a month will get you that. But if you want to give more to support the show, we appreciate it. We're here busting our humps for you guys. And it's nice to to feel that little that little push to, to help us do more. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast. And check us out on Twitter. This is this is the best place to interact with us and have some fun. At DET Lions Podcast. DET Lions Podcast is the very best place to see Case. With some frosty chaps. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. If you were looking for a podcast last week, you didn't listen to the one the week before. We did a video podcast from the Senior Bowl. It was The Riz, myself, and Sandman. Great content, but it was only available on the YouTube channel. So check that out. Also, other things coming, and, and it's all going to culminate or kick off or whatever you want to say with the draft spectacular party that we do every year. And then as we head towards a training camp party, we're going to do a live stream multi-camera fun there as well. Coming at you in 4K, baby. A lot of good stuff. So check us out on YouTube.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find us. We love those five-star reviews. Please let people know what to think of when they're showing up at the show. Also, if you have any criticism, we love taking that. We do that in the subreddit, DetroitLions.reddit.com, and uh, let us know. We're, we're usually sticking up at the top of that subreddit. Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast. That's all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us in the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Leave us a message and get a chance to hear yourself on the show. Tighten your chin straps, kids. It's time to review This Week in Reddit. All right, it's time to talk about all the fun and exciting things going down this week in Reddit. And Case, I know I've said it a million times, and I I don't mean to rub it in. I did get to go to the Senior Bowl. We got our uh, first Detroit Lions podcast credential, press credential. Um, Andy Sandman joined us down there, and he was credentialed as well through us. It was great. What an experience, man. If ever you guys get a chance to get to the Senior Bowl, I, I highly recommend it. A lot of, lot of access to folks. I ran into Mike Vrabel twice. Uh, sat next to Bob Quinn for the elephant walk, as I call it, when they did the uh, the underwear walk, the the weigh-in. Um, saw and met a lot of NFL scouts and, and, and people associated with the teams. It was really, really quite an experience. But also, a lot of the uh, Detroit Beat guys were down there, and we got to meet some of the, the local guys and have some good conversations. And we may have imbibed in a few adult beverages along the way. It was uh, it was an impressive time. we got to get you down there, Case. You, you would absolutely love this. That sounds like a plan. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll shoot for next year. But now in the time down there, I didn't just stand around in awe and at the amazing people and the, and the giants that I was surrounded of the players. Um, we did get some, some work done, got a lot of work done and we got a, some audio. And this is, I think one of the key pieces of audio that came out of the senior bowl week. And in case you got to check this out. Hey case. This is Justin Rogers from Detroit news. I've been talking to Chris and I, I hear the things you're saying about me and it's not cool, man 
keep that up. I'm going to come for you. <laughs> I've been trying so goddamn hard to make amends. <laughs> he loves you, man. I, I talked to him. I had to put him up to that, though. I couldn't resist. <laughs> He's coming for well, me. That, that was a good surprise. So. Yeah, yeah, no, Justin's a great guy. I got to spend some time with him. Had some fun. Great sense of humor. And I didn't tell you this case. He's going to start joining the show uh, mid-February and uh, having some chats with us and, and talking about some of the stuff going on with the Excellent. team. Excellent. Yeah, always good to have. I mean, we've talked about it. We, long-time listeners know we have a love-hate, sometimes more hate than love, relationship with the, the Detroit media and the guys in the beat. But Justin is one of those guys that is always fair and balanced and whatever else you want to say. He he, he shoots straight and doesn't put BS out there and, and, and go for the, the fantasy click stuff. So it's great to be uh, to have him associated and come on and talk to us about this stuff. So we're really, really excited. I, I did I did some work case. I actually got some some stuff, huh? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Get down with your bad self. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's move on. Let's talk some football here. Uh instead of scratch our own um Backs, backs, that's what we're scratching. Um, we're going to do a, a little segment, and it's one we've, we've talked a little bit about, and we've, it really is a good focus, Case on Free Agency. Sounds like a, almost like a 60-minute segment going on here, but <laughs> <laughs> we've got a case has been going hard. This is his favorite time of the year, and it's really becoming mine as well. This The free agency piece, the draft piece, the analysis, the players, seeing how things change, stocks going up and down. It's, it's, it's really fabulous, and I didn't have as much a taste for it, Case, until we started doing this, and, and you really started driving so much so much of this home and, and excitement in it. I appreciate it. It's one of the, 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 it's one of the biggest gifts you've ever given me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's start out. Let's talk about uh, free agency. Um, there's a lot of guys that are looking like they could be released into the free agency pool this year. And I know you've been studying that and looking at that and want to kind of give us a breakdown on who's out there. So why don't you just take that mic and run? Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, every, pretty much every week or every every show anyway that we, that we have, I'll try to kind of tackle one area of free agency. Um, it, it's a whole lot to bite off uh, in one go. So um, I'm not trying to put every thought I've ha- ever had about it into one episode, nor do I have, you know, that every thoughts. thought that I will have, you know, for the rest of the off season ready right now. So um I'm just trying to go like one angle at a time, uh, but there's a uh, spot track, and I mentioned them last time. Uh, is a website that tracks uh, player contracts and and allows you to see you know what guys will earn per year. Uh, looks at you know uh, guaranteed money and dead cap space and all the free agents and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great resource. They put out an article, um, and the article is by. Michael Gennetti. So I'll give him a little bit of credit. And it's, it's actually a great resource article that I've been running through several times here. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm almost hesitant to like throw that out there because I, I would like to pretend that all of this is original thought by me. No, no, we know uh, but it's, case, don't it's, you it's not all the, I did not do all the legwork here. I'm, I'm piggybacking off of somebody else's work, but uh, he, he goes through and lists all the players that he thinks uh, based on their contract size uh, compared to production, health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who might get cut uh, before free agency starts. And a lot of these guys are pretty good players, 
they're just carrying way too heavy a hit for maybe a team that can't afford it or a team that really needs to get younger or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of reasons that a team might cut a player other than they're not performing well. Uh, so yeah, bear I mean, in mind that... Look at Sue. There, there's a great example of not cutting a guy because he wasn't performing well. Right, right. He went, um, he went away because he wanted too much money. Now, what did you say? Who was, I mean, who even was if you want to talk thing? about Ebron, we didn't cut Ebron because he wasn't productive. He just wasn't worth quite to us what his fifth year option would have sure, cost. Sure. Um, now, what, so, who, who was the guy, the author on this? Michael Gennetti. Uh, I, I've never heard of him before. I, I assume he's a staff, you know, guy for Spot Track. Uh, um, got it, got so, it, got it. Okay, but cool. I just thought I'd throw his name out there for credit where credit is due. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, He's got him. He's got him. You know, listed by position. So I'm going to skip the QB position because I don't think there's anybody getting cut uh, with the you know maybe the possible exception of uh, CJ uh, the third. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, B Ethard. Bethard. Okay. Bethard. The the San Francisco backup. If we're looking for a backup, he's you know maybe a possibility, but I'm not going to go too far into that. Um, if you want to look at running backs, there's actually a couple interesting names here, and and I really feel that it's likely we're going to need to add two running backs because Theoretic is on this list, and I think Theoretic likely gets cut by Detroit, and we've talked about that. And I know not everybody agrees, and I it, it's not that I'm eager to see him gone because I like him as a player and I like him as a person. I just don't think he's worth quite what we're paying him. Um, but one of the guys, the, the very top guy on his list is, is LaShawn McCoy, who has a very good chance to get cut by the Buffalo Bills. Now, I, I know a lot of people will cringe at the thought of adding a running back that that's, that's that old. Right. Uh, but if you look at it, uh, LaShawn McCoy, you're not, you're not bringing him in to be a long-term guy. You're bringing him in on a you know, one- or two-year deal. And to be, you know, the compliment to carry on Johnson while then allowing you to draft a guy in the later rounds that has a, you know, a high ceiling and fill out that four man, you know, running back roster and, and, and sit that. So is, it, it, it's an intriguing option to me. Is this just really a play from you to keep um, somebody I love that, Xander. around? Oh, he's uh, Zenner's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I'd be very shocked at this point. Like, I agree. And I agree. It's not even the Homer in me. I think. I think most people can agree that he did enough to earn a, earn his spot as the number three slash number four back. It's it's, this year. it's funny whenever I talk to him about him to anybody, it's one of those things where you look at him, you say, "Yeah, he's a number three, number four back," but you look at his production every time he's gotten the ball, and you're like. Huh. He's he, he looks he's performing like he could be a number one or two back, but you know better, right? But his numbers are yep. they're lying to you. It's one of those things where I I don't know, man. You, you you obviously don't want to bet a team around making him number one or number two. But gosh, right. every time he's had the ball, he's performed, and that a guy like that in a nice sized RBBC setup is is just to die for, right? Zenner would be just a diamond at number three. Uh, kind of like the old, you know, the Saints setup they had for so many years with so many run, running backs who, you know, pick your poison. He's a guy that could just come in and, and, and knock a bunch of dudes aside and, and get in a bunch of yards. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, like I say, I like LaShawn McCoy if they want to go, uh, you know, stopgap at the running back position. Because, I mean, LaShawn McCoy, McCoy is, you know, a really good running back. And he's still showing that he's a really good running back. Uh, it's just that he costs, he's going to cost Buffalo $9, nine million this year. And, and that's just too much for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, he's very likely to hit the market. The other guy who, and this would be a more... 
like permanent solution and give us the more permanent uh, one-two punch would be Lamar Miller out of uh, Houston, who is not the most dynamic back in the league, but is incredibly consistent. And he gets touches and, and he's a solid receiver. And the dude puts in work. Wherever he's been, in Miami, in Houston, he puts in work. And anybody who's had him in fantasy knows that he can be a disappointment sometimes in that area. But he puts in work and he's very consistent. And if you put him in, it would be as the backup to carry on Johnson, but a very solid one that you could, you could, you pretty much go almost 1A, 1B with the two of them. And then if you have any issue with carry on getting hurt again, you can lean on Lamar Miller and not have to worry so much about consistency issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's another option and he, it would save uh, Houston uh, 6.25 million to cut him. And it looks like that's a very strong possibility. Um, That's it for the uh, running backs at wide receiver. Um, Here's one that I don't think the Lions have any interest in, but I was surprised to see he thinks that Allen Robinson with the Bears is a likely cut because uh, they'd save $11 million by cutting him. I, I'd be a little surprised. Uh, I know Anthony Miller has come on strong for the Bears, but it's the, getting rid of Robinson would still leave their, their cupboard pretty bare in terms of receiver talent, especially while they're trying so desperately to believe that Mitch Trubisky is a real quarterback. Right. Um, and, and, and we, all, I don't know, maybe the smart ones didn't see the pro bowl, but he certainly didn't look like a real quarterback there. Did he? Right. Right. For sure. Um, he also has Marvin Jones on this list. And I, I, I vehemently disagree because you're only saving, uh, le- you're saving less than 4 million by cutting Marvin Jones this year. Um, and that just, that $4 million savings, uh, you know, it, Marvin Jones missed half the year. If Marvin Jones plays the full year, he's still, he's pushing, he's pushing, you know, over a thousand yards again this last year. Can we talk, so, can we talk something about Marvin Jones really quickly though? And it goes to the whole wide receiver core, but the the thing that people love to call out about Marvin Jones is his contested catch percentages yeah. and how great he is. When you're a guy who doesn't get separation, every catch is a contested catch, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's I think I think that stat is um, a little bit. It helps people favor him maybe more than they should. He does some things really really well, and getting contested balls is one of those things he does really well. But um, I'm I don't know where I am with Marvin. I like him. I like him. Right. But I don't know that he's a long term solution unless we get a couple more threats out there, like two guys out there that can really get separation, become threats on the field so that he gets to play against a number three kind of guy. And I don't disagree with that. And and I know that that might even come as a shock to you and some people because I, I, I really, you know, went to bat for Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think I don't think it's unreasonable to look at 2017 as the peak of Marvin Jones career. Um, I definitely think that, it, that that is the peak. But at the same time, uh, he's nine million. Uh, but cutting him only saves four million. Right. And that that four million difference to me isn't worth dropping a guy, and unless they're unless they really think that the injury issue is likely to persist into next season, because I think even if you it, if you look at this last year, 
he struggled even more than he had before, but I think a lot of that had to do with the injury issue he was dealing with even before they put him on IR. So it, he has potential to have a bit of a comeback, a resurgence. Um, now, again, I, I would be a little surprised if he topped what he was able to do in 2017, but in 2017, he was one of the best deep threats in the league, even despite not necessarily getting the separation you'd want out of a deep threat. Uh, just because he was, his hands are so good and he's really good at contested pass. I know, and I agree with you on that point, but I think that, you know, just dumping him for a 4 million when he's still a guy who could get to near or around a thousand yards for us is premature. I, 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 I agree. And it's a gap that we can't put on the team right now. Um, we, we're trying to fill wide receiver gaps. We don't need to make another one at this point. So you, I don't. I don't disagree with you. It's just that I don't think that necessarily he's an ideal guy to have right now. Yeah. But he's he's the guy we have, and we'll, you're right. We'll hold on to him. There's a couple guys uh, who are likely to get cut, big names, who remind me of what we had in Anquan Bolden. I know and, that guy. I remember him. And and Anquan Bolden was one of my very favorite players for one year on the Lions. Uh, he was we used him as a very tough inside wide receiver. Um, he had that old man strength, almost tight end like. It was it, I I absolutely loved what he brought to us. And there's a couple of guys out there right now, or not out there right now, but who could be out there in the near future who could potentially fill a similar role for us. That is Demarius Thomas and Michael Crabtree. Both possession guys, mm. both older, both solid-sized guys. Neither of them is going to stretch the field at this point in their careers. But they're, they're tall enough, they're strong enough, they're big enough that if we wanted to bring in a guy who really wanted to, you know, who just wanted to play a few more years, um, be, you know, find a new home, find, you know, a shot at something. Those, those two guys would be potentially good fits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and it's a needed piece, right? It's, it's something that is, it's, it's at every agency, not a ton of money there. Right. And it fills a, a direct need uh, for Matthew. And uh, especially if you get um, a, a quick guy, I'm not saying a golden Tate. Um, but a guy like that or in that vein who can get quick separation off the line, all of a sudden you have two guys open short. There's two guys you have to cover immediately. And uh, then all of a sudden you have your Galladay and Marvin doing uh, more medium and longer routes and getting getting open. I think that's, that's, that's a great, great option. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only other offensive guy, because, I, I, you know, there's there are some offensive linemen out there uh, getting cut, but I, I'm not sure. I don't have enough insight on exactly what the lions plan on doing other than other than we've heard that they like Tyrell Crosby um, to know exactly what direction they're going to go to try to weigh too heavily in on that. Uh, the, so the last guy is the guy we already talked about a couple of weeks ago, and that's Kyle Rudolph. Um, the, I, the, I, the Vikings will save 7.6 million by cutting him. And that's a lot of money. Um, and they didn't use him as much this last year as they had previously. And I'm not sure that that if that's a trend, like if they just are going away from him, I don't think his actual talent or performance went down. I just think the usage went down. And so if they could save 7.6 mil for a guy, they're not going to use as much as they otherwise would. That might be too tempting an offer for them to refuse. And if he hits free agency, that is the guy that I want. Okay. So let's circle. How do you spell that again? 
<laughs> all right so that's that's that anybody else in the pool you want to you want to point at right now okay so we'll flip we'll flip to the other side and i'll try to i'll try to run through a lot of these as quick as i can there are quite a few defensive linemen hitting and especially a defensive end and uh and offensive uh or excuse me outside linebacker edge guys who are going to be hitting so it'll be really interesting to see uh, how many of these guys actually end up because they could be like a, a whole wave of these dudes hitting free agency and bringing the cost and value down on them this year. You've got a lot of really good big names and not all of these guys are going to be guys that we would be interested in. But just the fact that they're all hitting in the market at the same time or, or potentially hitting the market at the same time is very interesting in terms of us going after guys who would fit. And, and I'll try to look into more specifically uh, as the offseason goes on and before these kind of cuts start happening, which guys I might prefer uh, but you've got Malik Jackson, Timmy Jerrigan, Gerald McCoy, Star Toile, excuse me, uh, <laughs> Mike Daniels, Michael Brockers, Marcel Darius, Don Terry Poe, Vinnie Curry, Bo Allen, Akeem Spence. You've got Justin Houston, Robert <clears throat> Quinn, and, and Everson Griffin, and Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf might be the guy that I really like. Uh, Tyrone Crawford, Andre Branch, Chris Long, Connor Barwin. I mean, all those names, a lot of those guys could end up hitting free agency this year. And a lot of those names are big names. And it's so I haven't had a chance to go through and decide, you know, pick out which guys I think are are good fits for us. But there's a few in there that are definitely guys I could see being valuable to us. Um, even as veterans, even as guys whose production has dipped a little bit, you still need to build that depth and we still need to bring in edge defenders more than one. So those are names to just keep a vague, you know, eye on as the off season progresses here. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Those are, those are good names. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the changes going on with the addition of uh, Bevel to the team. And with that, I want to hit some relatively breaking news here as we're as we're doing this. Two two uh, coaches are are now no longer with the mm-hmm. Lions. George Godsey has gone on to coach tight ends for the Miami Dolphins, and so he's not going to be. Uh, Bevel's He's guy. not going to be the the offensive coordinator. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> he is not. And David Walker, the running backs coach, is uh, retiring, stepping away from the game to spend time with the family. Hopefully, it's it's not an illness thing. You know, sometimes that's the, the excuse they use when that happens. So, wish them both the very very best. Unless we see them against the Lions, then only the worst and we have in mind for them. But um, so two guys. This is this is the thing. This is some of the downstream stuff that happens when you get a new coach. Uh, Ash in the Slack chat, and, and you guys are getting an inside view, you non-Patreon people, lucky dogs. But uh, he he makes a, a very, very good point that, um, you know, maybe maybe Cuda really was left to his own devices last year, and um, now we're seeing the change in, in his devices. Well, we heard, uh, you know, earlier, uh, several weeks ago, that there was likely to be major overhaul, and here it is. And, and I, you know, we even talked about it last offseason. I know I brought this up before that, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily – they didn't necessarily have an opportunity to bring in all the guys they wanted to bring in last offseason. And this offseason, they've had the, a better opportunity to fill out the ranks in a way that they – that the new coaching that that the new head coach and Bob Quinn really want to build um, their team and give it their run. And, and so this is a, I don't, and I don't necessarily think that either of those guys were bad at their jobs. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, they just weren't necessarily a fit for what's going to happen going forward. So, Mm -hmm. well, I was, I was, it's interesting how this is playing out and I've, I was privy to a few texts and some conversations of people on both sides of the ball who purported to know about the situation in lion's land that you're not hearing from the beat writers because they're not talking to the beat writers effectively. Um, Again, different ends of the spectrum, different kind of messages. I'm not going to share them yet. Um, we'll get Riz on and we'll, we'll talk about what we find as we kind of hash them out a little bit. But there's there's interesting talk around the lines. There's a lot of talk around the team. And I think a lot of that manifests itself because the team isn't talking. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, they did stay pretty hidden throughout their time at the Senior Bowl as well. It was, it was pretty interesting. They were where they needed to be and where you expected, but then they, uh, they ghosted after that. So, all right. So we got some changes there. Let's talk about what the addition of Bevel does for us around our draft and free agency prospects and i think the big thing case that we we really wanted to hit on here is the talk about what brevel what bevel means to the offensive line yeah and this was a this was a point that riz uh tweeted out um i don't know like a week ago was that one of the main selling points that bevel had to the detroit lions was that he liked the pieces that we already have on the offensive line and that, that the way he planned to scheme things was the major emphasis that the offensive line was the major emphasis. And as we talked with the last time I spoke with you and Riz, you know, we talked about Bevel. This is the best offensive line he's probably ever worked with, or at least worked with is since, you know, his time in maybe Minneapolis, I'd have to go back and look at what those offensive lines were like, but he's got a higher level of talent. Even if, even if this offensive line isn't necessarily the best offensive line in the league by any means, uh, it's still better than what he was working with. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of things he does because I think this is somewhat new territory where we, we trying to predict exactly what he'll be able to do with this group is not an easy thing to do because it's a very different group from what he's worked with the last several years. And he's been very, very successful with very much less talented offensive line yeah, in the past, can, right? I mean, this is a situation where, boy, the, the ceiling on this and the top end really right. looks really looks high. At the same time, exactly like you said, this is a season we, we had a very similar going into last season with Matt Patricia, the lack of discussion that we got out of them, lack of information from the team. It's a, we've got to wait and see. we got to see what we get kind of situation before we know what's going to happen. And it's a little bit of that on offense this year. I, I certainly hope that it's more of a pleasant surprise this time than it was this last season in the performance. But uh, again, go back to the point that it, it certainly does look like Jim Bob Cooter was left to his own devices and uh, he was a few batteries short uh, on powering those devices. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yep. All right. So uh, we've got that. Um, with that being the case, though, on the offensive line being the way it is, how does that affect our draft prospects? Well, it's unlikely that they'd go offensive line early. Um, you'd expect them to still pick up guys because even even if they like Tyrell Crosby, I still expect TJ Lang to either be cut or, or have his contract significantly altered. Um, not, and he's not, you know, reliable from a health standpoint. You, you're still going to need to flesh out that group. So, but if William Jonah Williams fell to them at eight, 
there might be some degree of consideration there, but I just don't think that's, I'll be very surprised if that's the direction they end up going, even though I think that, um, and we'll get into this, even though I think that, you know, we're, we're keep trending towards the Lions having a more offensive oriented draft than, than most fans are, uh, than most fans came into the off season thinking about, I, I think, um, I still think that would be a bit of a stretch to go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. All right. What about uh, free agency? Right now, we we feel like he's he can work with that offensive line. Does that change where we may be going for free agency? I'm not sure that it does. Like I said, uh, it, it, that's so tough predicting who works and what system. You really and and I'll admit, you know that that as much time as I spend with football trying to predict how some offensive linemen will fit into a different scheme, especially when I don't really know what that scheme is going to be is no easy task. Um, that's something I would just as soon leave to the professionals. Um, okay. So if we want to talk about actual free agency, um, there's one guy, one guy who I really want, and it's not an offensive guy. He might be offensive. I don't know, but, um, (laughs) And, and normally when you hear me talk about free agency, I have a tendency to like take a different tack, right? I go after a player who's, uh, might not be, you know, as well known or might not seem like as, as big a, you know, uh, as popular amongst the fan base. But this year I'm not, I'm not doing that this year. It's, it's very cut and dry. It's very simple to me. There's one dude that I think is perfect and that's Trey flowers. Mm. And I really would love to bring him in defensive end for the Patriots, 25 years old, which is absolutely ideal. This He's only been in the league four years. He knows Patricia's system. He's not the most productive, you know, pass rusher out there, but he's also not probably going to get paid like the most productive pass rusher out there. Um, I think, you know, that's the kind of guy that you give a five-year contract to. And sit on your thumbs for it because you you could, you know, that is a winning move. In my opinion, I would love to see them use whatever they had to go after him. That is of course, unless Kyle Rudolph gets cut, then it's Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we really do like Kyle Rudolph. He's, he's, he's a heck of a guy. Okay. So that's uh that's a good one. Let's talk about um, something that's a little less fun. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Uh, Trevor Bates. Detroit Lions player um, arrested, had a, um, it seems like a bit of a break. Guy comes from a, a a tough background and as a result works with charities for um, kids whose parents are in jail, I believe, um, doing stuff uh, around there and, and by all accounts a really nice guy. Seemed to have a a little bit of a problem in, in New York, huh? Yeah. And, you know, this has smatterings of Titus Young. Um, not, I mean, it's different in the, in the sense that nobody knew who Trevor Bates was before this happened. Um, but, um, the, he assaulted a police officer and it wasn't like any kind of misunderstanding. He got tased, pulled the, pulled the taser things out of his chest or wherever they were and punched a, punched an officer in the nose and the officer had to get three stitches. It was uh, it's a pretty gory um, situation. It, it, I, yeah, this is the kind of situation where you just hope that um, hope that if there was a, if there's a mental break or a drug issue going on that the, the dude gets some help. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not funny. Uh, it, and it's easy to laugh at these kind of things when you just see the headline. Uh, but once you actually look into it, it's not a funny situation. It's a very sad situation. No poor guy comes from a tough background and was doing a lot of good stuff. And, uh, Looks like there's something out there. So then we talk about that with with Titus, like you said, um, he's out of prison now, and and hopefully, you know, from the sounds of things, he's he's recognized, you know, what's going on there, and, and getting the the help that he needs, both from a yeah. medication and counseling perspective. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Trevor can can come out of this hole, and everybody else can come out okay. It's a tough tough story, but one that needed to be covered. So. Um, all you folks who have your Trevor Bates jerseys, I, I think it's time to trade them in, and uh, we can help you out with that. I, I don't know. I got no. This oh, is the worst, worst <laughs> that is ever. the worst transition that we have ever made. <laughs> Most tasteless, <laughs> horrible transition ever. So, uh, yeah, you want to get those Lions jerseys. You want to get that blanket. You're in that minus 33-degree cold over there. You need yourself a nice Lions blanket or onesie or whatever else you want to do to stay warm. Maybe it's a coffee mug. Maybe it's booze. They got flasks. They got the whole thing. Head on over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on that Fanatics uh, picture. or We got a link up in the shop link there to the Fanatics as well. Get your Lions gear, and uh, it'll take you right there. No funny stuff, no pop-ups, and it gets you the very, very best way to get all of the licensed Lions gear. Michigan Wolverines, it's basketball season. Michigan, Michigan State, both highly ranked right now. Everything's looking good. Go get your uh, your team gear, and uh, you know what happens? If you do it that way, if you go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com and click on those links, they give us a kickback. Yeah, they help us out. So it's a great way to help out the show by doing something you were going to do anyway, which is support your team with that swag and all that great gear. Come on down. Do that. Help us out. Help us to help you. All right. Fanatics at DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Get your gear there. All right. Moving on, we want to talk about some of the draft prospects, some scenarios. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a lot of information that we were able to come across with the uh, the scouting work that I did with the Riz and Sandman so so heartily this last week. Um, there's one thing we want to talk about first with the draft. So we talked about what Bevel does with his his offensive line, how that kind of changes the calculus in the Lions draft a little bit and the free agency a little bit. In the Slack chat, uh, Ash, he he put forth a pretty interesting thing. If no quarterbacks go early, and this is really the only way that this could happen, there's teams that may want to trade positions in the first round with the Lions, which I think I don't. I, I'm not a big fan of number eight in round one, right? I just it feels, especially the way the talent is, it feels like we're not going to get the right guy at the right value at that spot. Just unfortunate for for us. Seems like that's most years. Um, but the last thing we want to do is get ourselves an Eric Ebron again. Um, we want to look at how, how this how this might work. So if no quarterbacks are grabbed early, that's really likely the the only scenario in which we'll get a chance to trade down. The teams that may want to trade with us uh, look to be Denver, Cincinnati, and maybe best case, Washington, who's down in, in 15th. Um, case, what do you think the likelihood here is? It's, it's really all about how many quarterbacks are taken, isn't it? So, yeah, we sit at number eight. Uh, the Bills are number nine. But then at 10 is when you start looking again at uh, potential quarterback needy teams in the Broncos, uh, the Bengals, maybe the Dolphins, um, the Redskins at 15 are a big one. Mm-hmm. So if you look at those teams and if there's a scramble to see who can get up to get their guy we're in a pretty good situation in terms of being able to to negotiate. Now the Bills might even be in a better position, even though, uh, you know, rookie their rookie Josh Allen was is 
questionable at best long term. They're not going to move away from him. But uh, so it, it's like us and the Bills are sitting in that golden area of uh, tempting to to the guys who really want to make sure that they get the guy they want. I would love to see us move down with the with the Redskins at fifteen. Oh, that'd be ideal. You'd still are able to net one of the top you know defensive players in the in the draft or go a totally different direction. I'll get into that in a second. And then you also add probably uh, you know a third round pick this year and maybe some junk change uh, next year um, onto what onto you know what's a what's a relatively deep draft, especially defensively. That if they if they chose to go another direction early, they'd still be able to add talent and flesh out the roster in that in that second and third round uh, with guys if they were adding picks. Um, if we move to fifteen, if and and. As I said, I think several weeks ago, I I never truly believe that trading down in the first is a likely scenario. This year, it just happens to be slightly more likely than it has been in the last few years. Everybody wants their team to trade down unless they're a QB needy team. Everybody, every every fan wants their team to move down because getting more picks is great. But if we move to 15, and this is going to piss some people off, there are two players there that I would not be upset with us taking. Um, they're not quarterbacks, Josh Jacobs, are they? <laughs> no. Not Josh Jacobs, the running back, and TJ Hawkerson, the tight end. I, I, I'm just, I'm hearing people's heads explode at me saying tight end first round. But um, Josh Jacobs, the running back, go real quick on him first. End. Okay, go ahead. He, he, is, he, is, he is blowing up the draft boards, the Alabama running back, and he wasn't even coming, you know, until people started looking into him, he was, you know, not even the best back coming out of Alabama. But as people are taking a closer look at him, the dude is a stud. And his, his uh, college production belies how good he is. They didn't use him as much as they needed as they could have because they didn't need to because they had a very solid uh, group. But if he had been on a team that had been featuring him, you'd be talking about an easy first round, like like consensus first round pick. And I think he'll get there by the time the draft comes around. There are comparisons you can make to Kamara in terms of like if people realized how good Kamara would have been, he'd have been a first round pick. And I think Josh Jacobs is in a similar vein, uh, but people are just getting a little more woke to him than they were on Kamara prior to him coming out. Uh, he could do everything he is a he, he's a relatively short but he is stocky he's got that lower leg you know the thick lower legs with the balance he can catch anything you can put him out on on you can put him on any kind of route and he can run it he he can block like a monster um throws himself in front of massive guys all the time and and, and you know he's not, no running back is going to be able to hold up against you know a 300 plus pound you know, defensive lineman, but he'll slow him down, and 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 he does it consistently. He he's fast. He's not elite fast necessarily, but he's fast. If they wanted to do that, they would have one of the best one-two punches at the running back position in the NFL. We've seen how effective that's been for the Saints, and for years to come. I would not be upset with that pick. And and I know that a lot of people three. are not going to agree with me. 
You're still but setting up your center upset. for number three. There you go again. It's all about the old. I love the Alexander. That's all you're doing with that pick. That's all you're doing with Josh And TJ Hawkerson. The, the total TJ Hawkerson thing is just that he's, you know, if we were picking a number 10, like we did with Ebron, and there was a, a couple of elite prospects that followed right behind him, then I'd have a bigger problem with it. At 15, Hawkerson is a much more reliable and well-rounded tight end than Ebron ever was. I think we'd be a lot happier long-term with him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know that a lot of people really don't like the tight end position, but I think yeah. I think there is a I think there is a resurgence in the importance of it, and I think there's actually one of the very important things that we've seen over the last few years is that I think college is producing tight ends that are more pro-ready than they used to. All right. And that was a huge sticking point for tight ends before was that they took three years to develop. I don't think that's true anymore. Rather than kicking the Jimmy, I'm going to bolster your argument just because I know you're going to take a lot of heat on this. So, yeah, Eric Ebron was um, – there was a lot of question marks as to why he was picked at 10, right? We had Pettigrew at the time. Um, who was, was hurt, but he, he looked like he was coming back. Um, it was an unnecessary – it felt a little bit like a luxury pick at the time. And then, you know, his drops and the other things that, that he came with. And um, then there was a lot of that that surrounded Ebron. I, I didn't like it myself. You guys have heard the story of the scream heard around California when we picked him. And my wife is afraid to watch the draft with us anymore as a result. Um, yeah, no, that's um, th- that's that's a thing. That's a downside. A good tight end, though, can be invaluable if if you use him appropriately. So we'll see. I mean, that, that's that's an interesting an interesting piece and. In, in, um, address all your, your mail to Case and let him know what you think of that. Um, all right, we're going to move on now. We're going to move into the Senior Bowl really quick and uh, spend a lot of time there. Riz couldn't make it. Um, you guys in, in the Detroit area in the Midwest may recognize that it's cold outside. Everybody's and- and, and there there may have been um some snow or some some who knows i don't know i mean it's 60 here and i had a i had to put on a long sleeve shirt today it was pretty Dick. pretty oppressive um so anyway uh riz will be with us next time we'll, we'll dive in a little more on the senior ball but i want to talk about a couple of things really quick first off i don't want to say it was the highlight but i had to say it was a really really awesome moment um when we sat down for the elephant walk as i call it that's the part where the men walk across the, the, the stage for the way in <laughs> um all wearing just their underwear it was um it was a great time and it was especially good because i was just three seats away from bob quinn and the lion scouting staff and i got to while i watched the the stage I got to listen and kind of watch out of the side eye to see who maybe got a rise out of them. I'm, you know, obviously they're smart people, so they're not giving away their intentions. But um, I used my best psychological mind powers to assess who they were looking at and had them on my list as well. And uh, it was great. Um, Bob Quinn, very, very professional man. I mean, you, you would expect at that level a GM to to be that way, but we've heard otherwise. We've seen some tweets from from Colts GMs and so on about things. Um, so no, Bob Quinn is is an exemplary professional. Um, I, I had a couple opportunities where I could have bumped him, but he was working. He was working the whole time, and I just wanted to respect that for him. But uh, really, really good stuff. Smart people working there and uh, had a lot of really good stuff going on. So that was that was impressive. Um, something else that I noticed, and this is I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but it was it was surprising for me. And if I think about the state of the players and I'm, I'm going to have a hard time describing this. So so please don't get mad. Don't take it the wrong way. Just take this at face value. I don't you know mean anything malicious here, but you're sitting here with these guys walking in their underwear 
peak physical condition, right? 24 is when the, uh, the male hits their, their very peak of their, their physical strength and, and so on. But these guys are right there. They're professional athletes. They're, they're just amazing, amazing, you know, the training and, and everything else that goes into it. And very quickly, I realized that they're not as ripped as I expected them to be. Now, there, there are. There's guys there that were just stunning, <laughs> stunning displays of the human body. Um, but I was like, wow. There's In the end, especially as I, I recognize, there's not. I mean, I had my own different code. I was looking for highly athletic uh, guys as one of my first indicators when I was looking at them as well, some of their other measurements and so on. Uh, I was open-minding, not even looking at the names uh, as I did this. I just hear the position, looked at the numbers on their height, their size, their weight, and uh, took notes on them. And I was looking for the super athletic guys, and those are the guys I was going to watch and, 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 and test some some theories I have in the in the draft. But I have to say... It was an amazingly low percentage. I don't know that it would be even the two-digit percentage where I wrote down effing ripped or ripped for these guys. Um, and this is this is like, you know, this is the the market where you're selling yourself. And it was, seems like you would really be at the peak here and, then of course, going into the combine. I mean, there's one guy, offensive lineman, of course, but I actually I put Dunlop. <laughs> under my notes because his belly dunlops over his, 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 <laughs> his pants. Oh, oh. Yeah, it was horrible it's the old joke right but it was it was true um a lot of guys i had well defined right but they weren't ripped it was it was it was interesting to me because i just expected a more athletically defined ripped group of people and again i'm not saying this because i'm not ripping on these guys i don't mean that in any way shape or form but it was it was surprising to me how they didn't show their strength well uh, walking across the stage many times. Some of those guys, though, were absolutely just stunning. Riz always falls for the guy's hairs. I'm a body man, right? <laughs> There's a couple guys that had me swooning, so we'll, we'll go with that. But All right. So uh, some other stuff coming out of free agency. Um, who were the Lions talking to? Well, the Lions were very ghostly there. It was hard to see them and their staff. Ran into the Eagles guys a lot. and Ran into Raiders guys a lot. Didn't see very many Patriots people. Um, who else? I saw Cleveland all over the place. I saw. I mean, I feel like I said the Colts. God, the Colts were everywhere. I feel like I saw a lot of the different teams. But uh, interesting, New England and Detroit were not highly visible. I did see Mike Vrabel. A couple times. And uh, you know these guys are, are big. That man is a giant. Like Mike Vrabel is a very impressive guy. And and I mean he's literally probably couldn't be more opposite of Matt Patricia. <laughs> like they are opposite ends of the spectrum. But uh, pretty imp- really impressive looking guy in, in, in person. Um, but anyway the Lions people weren't there. But where what we did find is they had some interest and were talking to a lot of offensive players more than than maybe we thought. And that kind of goes to what we were talking about with with kind of bevel and free agency, where they're focusing their their look at the prospects, doesn't it, Case? Yeah, and I think we're going to keep hearing this. And I don't want to make it come off like I don't think there's going to be a balance in uh, the draft. And even it, I won't even be shocked, you know, if they go one two on defense uh, in the in the first two rounds. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that those are unlikely scenarios. Um, I will be, I would be surprised if they went into the draft saying, Oh, we're just going offense the first two rounds, or we're just going defense the first two rounds. I think that they're going to have, you know, like every other year, they're going to have a list of guys they like, and they're going to have their board and, and whoever the top guy is, 
on their board at the, at the time they pick, that's who they're going to take, whether that's offense or defense. Um, now I do think that Quinn focuses a little bit more on need than he does on, on the whole like concept BPA. of BPA, yeah. but there's needs on both sides of the ball. And, and I think that a lot of people are ignoring that there are needs on the offense. And looking at their focus, I mean, just the the way things are playing out, it feels like they may be pulling together the defense, or at least the early, quote-unquote, the early pick in free agency so that they can go with some offensive weapons early. Bevel's bringing a new system. He needs some things to make that work. Matthew Stafford had a down year. He needs some things to make that work. Uh, Matt Patricia's known for, for, for saving teams and taking poor or low-talent defenses and making them play well above their – punch well above their weight. Um, I would just – it's it's about scoring. We had – what was it? It was like 17 points a game average around there this last year. That is not enough for this team to win. It is absolutely un- inexcusable. So I feel like that's where they're going, and 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 that's where the things were were kind of pointing. I want to talk about a couple of players that we saw there. Okay, uh, first Andy Isabella. At first, I was I felt day one of practice, I fell madly in love with Andy Isabella. He was he he could my ankles were breaking watching him. He was just cutting and shuffling, amazing. But something started to to show itself. As, as he was uh, practicing and into day three, it became much more obvious, especially in the game then. He is a body catcher, and he uses his body a lot to catch those balls. And with the hand size that he has, I'm worried about him being able to catch uh, throws from a guy who throws it like Matthew Stafford. And we've talked about this a little bit that, well, maybe, you know, Matthew Stafford throws a little bit too too hard or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've talked about that, but we do know that it's difficult. You got Andy Isabella here. He's got eight and a half inch hands. That's, that's a small, that's a, that's a little, little guy hand. Um, not sure he's going to be able to handle those balls from, uh, from Stafford and the fact that he needs his body to catch it, it even makes it a little harder to, to be as high on Andy as I thought. So he's, he's fallen down in stock on my thing. Guy who did jump to the top though, uh, Ohio state guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Blew up, uh, over, over very, <laughs> and you guys weren't the only, um, everywhere he was blowing up all of a sudden. So I checked him out and I fell in love with him immediately too. Uh, and then I saw the same thing happening as I was, you know, now if the lions, a lot of people say, you know, the lion, one of their, you know, top needs is a speed guy and a slot guy. He fits both of those roles. I do agree with the concern though. Um, and, and as much as I like Stafford, uh, I, I am not trying to pretend that he doesn't throw the ball a little harder than he needs to throw it sometimes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I'm not saying I'd be upset with him. I would just be upset if they went to him earlier in the draft than he probably should be just because of the hype here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the guy we did see that we liked uh, out of Ohio State, Terry McLaurin, um, great speed. That guy, you you really want to break an ankle from the stands. You try to follow him. He, he threw my my eyes crossed and out of socket a couple times just trying to watch him. He has some moves, some cuts. Holy cow, this guy 
is good, and he's got some great hands. Raised his stock greatly, looked really, really good out there, and he looked really good. And, and this is a fun one. I got all kinds of shit from the the Buckeyes fans because I I, I said he he was looking awesome out there with sub subpar quarterback play, and uh, the Buckeyes fans thought I was talking about uh, their guy Hawkins. It's like no, no, here at the, at the Senior Bowl, guys, get you, put put away your little your wife beaters, go sit down, and go have another another. I don't know, Zima and calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So Terry McLaren looked really, really good out there. He's a guy that I'd love to see on the team. I think he brings uh, something that we could use and uh, could help open up a Marvin Jones uh, out there in the field. Uh, For the Michigan fans, I got to tell you, I watched both Karen Higdon and Dexter Williams. Uh, Dexter Williams got the uh, practice player of the week uh, over, over any other guys is at running back. And I have to, I, I don't know if it's the most improved player or what day, day two of practice was rained out. So all I had was the B roll footage from the NFL network to study and watch. And then the film room there at the, at the senior bowl. Um, but day one, Dexter Williams, he just fell off my watch list. He was, he was absolutely horrible. Uh, Karen Higdon was, was obviously the better back between the two guys was strong out there, could catch the ball. He's a guy that I could see in the lions offense. He, he, he would fit and he, he brings a, a nice one, two punch to, uh, with him and, um, carry on Johnson really, really liked what I saw. And this isn't the Michigan Homer. I mean, he just, he just really looked good out there. Very confident, very assertive and so on. Um, Dexter Williams had a lot of drops, didn't seem to move so well. Um, so he got the honors practice player of the week, but, um, wasn't, wasn't anything special in my eyes. Um, Another guy to watch. This is a guy I, I, I picked up on him. This was uh, athletic ability in the uh, elephant walk. <laughs> uh, his look, and it, it definitely carried through. Um, right tackle Dalton Risner. Looks to be late first, early the second Riz. round guy. He's the other Riz, right? <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with this guy when we saw him. The first hit he did in, in practice. They were just doing some warm-up blows, holding the, the pad. He goes in, blasts it. He gets a bloody nose. I'm like, oh, What's wrong? We got a coke head here. So uh, he he actually pulled off his helmet that came over with a cotton ball that was like the size of my head, <laughs> and he just shoved that whole son of a bitch up his nose and went back to practice. And 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 it didn't slow him down at all, or at least not noticeably. Um, all week he looked really really strong, solid right tackle could start today. I I like this guy. Case, have you seen any film on on Risner? I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Definitely go watch. I might, I might get to offensive lineman before the draft, but that's way down my list. So yeah, yeah, and a, a guy like that really changes the calculus on that line that we're dealing with right now, right? I mean, you can really you start switching things up, and then uh, you can you can do something with a guy like that. You know, he's uh, let me looking here. I'm yeah. trying to get his weight. Uh, Risner is coming in at 300 pounds, 308 pounds. He's six foot four and a half inches tall. A little bit tall, but just all brute, brute force, man. Big, big, big length, big arms, good stuff. So he looked good. Uh, also, Chris Boyd in cornerback, probably a later round guy. Um, didn't play so well in the game itself. Had a couple mistakes early on. But um, he's a guy in practice that really, really looked good. When it was time to ca- cover McLaurin and, or Isabella, uh, Chris Boyd was the one guy that could con- consistently cover them and, and do do well very very good work from him really liked what i saw again a late round kind of cornerback kind of growth prospect a guy you could bring up to speed not necessarily threaten slay but who a guy who might be able to grow into that kind of round really really good stuff liked him check out his film if you get a chance uh also another guy and he's starting to get a lot of a lot more press than he did before the senior bowl montez sweat 
Um, you can call him sweet if you like. Defensive lineman. This dude stabbed with one arm and just held up an offensive lineman for, I'm not even kidding, for like six seconds. He just jabbed it, pushed him back, had the dude off balance. I was just waiting for the right to come and knock him straight out. I mean, just blasted him. Uh, faked him out. Same guy. They did the second play after that. Faked him out like he was going to do the stab right under his arm and, and an immediate sack. Sweat looked really, really good. Everyone's saying his, his uh, draft stock shot up this week, and I can see why. Another guy, if you're looking for a D lineman, uh, check him out. Great, great film out there. He's a he's a guy that looks like he could really do something. Another maybe late round uh, first. We'll see where he falls. High second, maybe up or up in first. Things will will switch around as the combine and stuff hits here. But Debo Samuel, wide receiver, looked great out there. Absolutely fabulous. He was the one wide receiver that they went to. And again, this is this, the situation. The hardest part about the Senior Bowl was there weren't any quarterbacks there that were really worth a shit. And uh, so you see these guys get open, you see him uh, show up, and, uh, and the ball was was five yards away. So it was, it was tough to see. But Debo looks like the real deal, like he could be uh, quite quite the player. And then lastly, Dalen Mack from Texas A&M. He, he looks short out there, but I think he's like 6'1". Um, the guy gets low, and he just, he just blasts people. Another, uh, you know, later, not later round, but mid-round kind of defensive lineman kind of pick. Good, good, solid player has a lot going for him. I think that guy could uh, seriously kick some butt and make make a serious difference uh, on a defensive line anywhere we go. So there's my quick look. We'll dive more on those when we get the Riz back on the show, and uh, we'll feel good about that. Any of the guys that you uh, you you were uh, familiar with? One or? guy I want to bring up, and I don't believe he was at the Senior Bowl, but I just want to toss the name out there. Um, I want to th- uh, give a shout out to. Um, um, BXR burst fire on the oh, sub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he and I haven't always agreed on everything. So, uh, like we, we butt heads occasionally, but he's a smart guy. Um, and I, and I liked, you know, a lot of the stuff he said to me, uh, but Joe Juan Williams cornerback, hmm. if he was, a uh, is 6'3", 207 pounds. Um, he is the physical embodiment of what a lot of people want uh, for a quarterback, and I think that he'd be available. He's very raw and needs a lot of work. But if you believe in our coaching staff's ability to get the most out of these guys, which I'm inclined to lean towards uh, at this point in time, that's uh, that's a guy to watch for a, as a as a potential third rounder. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, BXR Burst Fire does great content, really, really good content in the. Uh, the subreddit definitely check him out so does detroit my lion he's been doing some really really good stuff in there too so if you're trying to find get in between the memes and find some some fun content or some good informative content in uh, the subreddit uh detroitlions.reddit.com uh look for stuff from bxr burst fire or detroit my lion they got some really really good stuff stuff well well worth reading speaking of reading you know earth's biggest bookstore case it's known as amazon and uh i think i just nailed that Segway, dude. That that one just flowed, flowed, flowed right Better in there. Better than the that last. One, <laughs> <laughs> classier for sure. So uh, yeah, you get to your biggest bookstore is Amazon, but they got more than books. They got everything you need. Um, you get your your crazy Christmas sweater like Casey. You can get all kinds of great stuff. They have a Detroit Lions shop there. Uh, all kinds of good stuff uh, at, at at Amazon. I do almost all of my shopping there. Uh, I needed a hoodie for the uh, for the Senior Bowl. Got an Amazon Basics hoodie of all things. I gotta give it a shot. Love it. It's absolutely a fabulous hoodie. It's it's a little thinner than something like I might than my Lions hoodie, 
but it was it was absolutely perfect not too thin uh great great quality stuff amazon you got to get their stuff, but you got to go through DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on the Amazon link there, just like with Fanatics. You click on that link, they give us a little kickback on what you buy. It never costs you anything more. They don't charge you more because we sent you. They actually just say, hey, thanks, Case. Thanks, Chris, for sending us some wonderful, wonderful customers from the very, very best podcast. The number one po- podcast for the Detroit Lions, as a matter of fact. So head on over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on that Amazon link and uh, help us by helping you and helping us help you help us. Uh, we'll get that kickback, and you'll get all the stuff you wanted by doing something you're going to do anyway. All right. A um, lot of talk about the calls in the New Orleans game. And I have to tell you, Case, Riz and I had just landed in, in of all places, New Orleans, as the game was going on. Um, they, were, they were announcing the score on the flight. A lot of people talking, saw the you know the, the comeback from from the Rams. It's like, wow, you know, this is this is something. Watch the guy stream next to me as as we kind of go through. Really, really good game. We get off the plane. First thing we do, Riz has to get his goddamn smoothie king. So he gets a smoothie king. <laughs> then we start walking towards the the baggage claim, and as we go by, the the call, the pass interference call, and. uh so the T it's we're the TSA line is here, right? So we're going to we're almost to the escalator to go down to baggage claim. The line to the TSA was 173 miles long. I mean, it was the longest line I've ever seen. It had to be an hour wait just to get through security that day because of all the stuff going on with uh, the government and all that. So there's a gift shop there that's got a big old TV in it, and the TV's on there, and a lady starts screaming. Just a lady, right? There's all these people, all Saints gear, right? It's all they're all saying it out. They're all sad that they have to be at the airport. And she's just yelling, That's fucking pass it. That's pass it. Like she is freaking out. The only person this this and she looks like a, a wonderful, like a little lady, right? Whatever. A nice, kind woman. And she's the only one that's just screaming and freaking out about the call. And uh we look. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's pass interference. And down the escalator we go. So we saw it, but we didn't recognize what the context, how big of a deal it actually was. Yeah. So um, actually odd that the timing worked, that we got to see it that well and that close. Got to see it in New Orleans of all places. And we also got to rent a car and got the hell out of there before the traffic came out from the game because we had to go right by the Superdome there and did not want to deal with any of that. But in light of all that, we thought maybe – It'd be a good idea to ring up our old friend, Dean Blandino. What do you think, bud? You want to give him a call? Yeah, let's talk. All right, let's get him on. Let's see what he thinks, what he's got to say about what happened there in the New Orleans game. Hey. Hey, what's going on, Dean? Not much. How are you? Uh, Doing great. Um, Got you on the show, on the podcast here. Uh, For those who don't know, Dean Blandino, former vice president of officiating, and he's the current NFL rules analyst for Fox Sports. It's Dean Blandino. How's it going, buddy, man? It's so good to have you on. Thanks. You know, you always pick up the phone when we call. I I feel like I got to do the official announcement, tell everyone who you are and and give you all your stripes and all that. I hope hope it doesn't, you know, embarrass you. Well, now now that I took your your number off of block, now when I know who it is, (laughs) I, I pick up. Before, you know, a year and a half ago, you couldn't have reached me. So this is, you know, I'm always happy to talk to you guys. <laughs> you got a few a uh, few numbers on block then, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've blocked a couple of people over the over the years. That's definitely. <laughs> Although I refuse, I will never block anybody on Twitter. I just, you know what? If you want to be whatever that. you want to be on Twitter, go ahead. But I, I won't block you. 
That's that's good. I respect I mean, that. And and in your your Twitter feed is is a tough one, man. I give you all the mm-hmm. credit in the world because, I mean, I, like I even give you the one the one uh, Terry Bradshaw was out there doing uh, some street side reporting, and there's the crowd standing behind with Des caught it, and I'm like, oh my god, how, how do these people? How can they not let go? It's, and, and it's like you were the guy that was on the field. That's the thing that I, the juxtaposition I can't make. They really, really are. They just don't know you like we do, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. If they got to know me. They'd love me like you guys. It's just, it's, well, it's you know, inevitable. You know, there's the, there's the thing. These people, they I got a great quote about it. This guy needs a <laughs> and I'm going to find him and just give him a big. <laughs> 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 you can fill in the blanks there. <laughs> that gets a lot of play. Um, <laughs> so obviously, we brought you on. Uh, well, a we love having you on, but B, obviously, this uh, the the NFC Championship game had one of the most controversial non calls yeah. in NFL history, and uh, in large part because of the fact that it happened in the NFC championship in large part because it happened near the end of the game uh, directly affected the outcome of the game. We just, um, can you break down what happened? I mean, I think most of us kind of know what happened, but getting it from your perspective might help us get the broader view. Yeah. Yeah. I, you look at the play and, and I thought the officials you've got, you've got, one official that's responsible for Lewis, who was the receiver, he came out of the backfield. So the down judge, who's the line of scrimmage official, has Lewis, should be watching him. And he was. He was in good position. And uh, and so each eligible receiver has an official that is their initial key. And then and then once the ball's in the air, then we should have multiple sets of eyes on that on that critical, you know, where that critical action is. And and I think what happened from the down judge's perspective. I think what he saw, he thought it's what we call a bang-bang play. The ball, the contact, it all happens at or around the same time. And I, and I believe that's why he didn't throw the flag. I think the side judge is also going to be looking. The side judge um, has a different perspective. He's downfield near the pylon. Um, again, I think they, they locked eyes, which you'll do on the sideline. And, uh, and they both agreed that it was just a bang-bang play and the contact wasn't clearly early. Obviously, we get the benefit of, of replay and, and we get to see that, that it was early. And, and I'm not defending the no call. That, that's, a, that's a call that should be made, certainly in that situation. And those are some of the best officials in the NFL, uh, especially when you look at, you look at the, the defensive back, Roby Coleman. He, he never makes any attempt to play the football. He just takes a beeline for Lewis and the contact was up in the head neck area. He actually got fined for a hit on a defenseless player. So right, right. again, you know, one of those two things, if we get a flag down on either one, we're not talking about this, right. you know, saints would have had a first down. Who knows? Obviously the likelihood that they win the game in that situation goes way up. But again, it's, it's, it's a human element. There's, there's mistakes that are going to be made, but it's just a mistake that happened at such a critical time. So, what I saw when I saw one of the replays, and I believe it was Gary Cavalletto on the, the side judge. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that's him. When he, he was standing there, and they were coming at him um, when the play made, and he, he just said incomplete, and that's it. And the other official came running in, reaching for his flag, and he waved him off pretty uh, adamantly. And he, I mean, it's it's like, okay, maybe you didn't see something, they're coming right at you, but he very much took control of the situation and said, you do not pull that flag. I mean, I don't know what the words were he used, but he very forcefully 
uh, pushed him off throwing that flag. What do you think? Is is it as a team who's had a flag picked up before in a critical situation? Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Does sure. does he throw that flag and then they have the conference, or is is this something where he's just overruled and because he saw what he saw, right? Yeah. See, I, I look at that differently. What I what I believe the side judge was doing. It's I think Coach Payton was was coming down the sideline. And because he saw the contact and the coaches are not allowed out of that coach's box. They can't come down past the 32. And I think what he saw was coach Payton running down the sideline. And I think, I honestly think that's who he was waving off. Like get back, get back. Yeah. Because he, because he didn't want, you know, didn't want a situation where now coach is on the field. Now we get a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. So I, I believe that that's what he was waving. I don't think he was, he was waving off. Um, the down judge in that instance. Not that I'm still angry, but I remember Des Bryant came on the field without his helmet <laughs> you and, know, and didn't get one of those. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> I, I get I get crap from Cowboy fans all the time, and it's just it's short term memory. They forget what happened the previous week, right? And what happened to the Lions, and what happened to Lions fans, and and, and happens to be the same player. And look, Des, the rule was the rule. He didn't catch it then. They changed the rule since, but. He very easily could have been flagged for being on the field during the game previous, the previous week. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for making me feel better, Dean. You, you I, uh, yeah, that. I try. I try. All right. So with, with that being the case, the NFL now looks at it and, and, and they look at it and say, boy, it sure feels like, and I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth, right? Because, but I'm going to say the NFL says it, it, it sure looks like we missed a call here, guys. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, so now what happens with the officials? What's the process for review is there a disciplinary process what happens now i mean you get your jabroni lawyer who's trying to uh sue, sue over the oh, whole it's situation. so ridiculous right, right. It, and it, he's he's getting his his ambulance chaser cred like built sure. up out of this right that's that's what he's doing but um so you got that going on but what is what happens now in the officiating circles with this review and what happens and and even you know from a personnel perspective well, see, those, those officials, they're, they're your best officials. Championship games, Super Bowl, those are the, the best of the best. And they're going to make mistakes. It happens. It just happened at a critical time. Um, so those officials, there will be no discipline. Look, if, if Tom Brady throws an interception in the Super Bowl, or is Tom Brady going to get cut? Is the team going to find him? No. And I know it's not necessarily apples to apples, but – when your best people, they make a mistake. It's not, it's not like they're going to be disciplined, fined, let go. That's not going to happen. But there is, there is a process now in place where, okay, why was the call missed? This will be something that will be discussed with the Super Bowl crew. You know, same situation happens again. We have to throw that flag. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Let's figure out where the breakdown occurred and, and rectify it. And then I think bigger picture, and I'm sure you've heard it. We've all, we've all heard it. You know, should the should these plays be reviewable? Should we open it up to instant replay, have the ability to review a call or a non-call? And I think that's for the competition committee and the rules process that's going to happen over the next, you know, couple of months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's it's it's a a, a a clear reaction to what happened. And but, you know, I don't think that's the solution either. So I, I have to ask now because. This seems where I work, and I mean it's a it's a pretty big company. <laughs> um, they 
it doesn't matter who you are. If, if you mess up, you can get disciplined, but there's levels of discipline, right? And, and really, really good people maybe get lighter amounts of discipline or whatever. But sure, if you continue sure. to mess up, you're not a good, good person anymore or a good employee anymore. And eventually you can work your way out of a gig by continual mess up. It seems like, and, and I don't know if, if if there's only one tier of discipline, which is why we you're saying they don't discipline him or 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 what? Can you expound on that a little bit? Because it feels like yeah. maybe next year he's not looking at refing a playoff game because it was an egregious error, right? It was well, it was one that could no question. put a there, stain no on the, yes. the the trustworthiness of officiating, even just the way Absolutely. it looked. I don't think th- this will stay with those officials the rest of their career. And 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 look if. If next year that that official, we'll just be honest here, that official rates out as one of the highest in his position. I know if I'm in charge of officiating, I'm not putting him back in the championship game because there's just too much could go wrong. The, the perception. Um, so it will certainly stay with those officials. Uh, but again, it's just if they continue to make to miss calls, officials let get let go. If they if they if they if they do something um, outside the realm, you know, conduct, they get fined, they get fired. So so there is accountability there for all these officials. Sure, sure. And you kind of made a good transition for us because the next place we were going to go was the, uh, you know, the competition committee and and the rules and potential changes. And we've talked to you about this in the past, too. Um, and you uh, and you, you know, basically said that you don't think it's a good idea uh, to increase the number of plays, the, the, the type of plays that should be reviewable. Um, and and I, I, I float back and forth on the, on the topic, but it's hard. It's really hard as a fan to watch something like that and not say, man, that could have been fixed if that was something that could be taken a look at if the coach could throw a challenge flag there, that, that, that game altering play could have been fixed. Sure. Are you still as adamant as you were maybe the last time we talked that that's not something you want to see? I, you know, I I think we have to look at what happened. No one wants that result. No one wants a game potentially decided on a missed call. I just think that we have to take a step back and just and just say, okay, if we want to fix that and we want to make that play reviewable, what are you know what what are some of the ramifications of that? Right. Now, let's say let's say that non calls are reviewable and and we can look and see whether that was pass interference, even though there was no flag on the field. Then are we opening it up to say, well, wait a minute the same play, the left tackle held the defensive end, or there was, there was hands to the face somewhere else. So are we now in the business of just, we got to look at all 22 players and make sure there were no fouls on the play. Um, that that's what I worry about. I I've come around on the idea. If there's a flag thrown, especially if it's something player safety related, similar to what college does with targeting, they made that reviewable. So I've come around on that. If there's a flag thrown, and it's safety related, something, something flagrant to have the ability to look at it again. I, I think that's a good thing. I just wouldn't want to be reviewing every little false start or, or hold. I think that creates too many issues. How quickly could the uh, guys in New York communicate that something needs to be looked at again? I think like- in that yeah, in that situation, the, the play that happened Sunday, it, that's that's one that's 
easily corrected. It could be done very quickly. I think that's where everybody kind of gets gets riled up and say, well, we all saw it. You could have just radioed down. That's pass interference and, and everybody's happy. And I get that. But for every play like that, there are going to be plays that are not as obvious. Think yeah. about. Oh, absolutely. Think about, There's a lot of you know, think about the, the yeah. face mask on Goff that everybody thought was a face mask. Was yeah. it enough? Did he grab it? Oh, we're know, familiar with back, those. Yeah. Not, to, not to bring back a sore subject. <laughs> right. right. <but laughs> I you, remember. You, know, you, guys, you guys are involved in a, in a face mask call. And, and so now it's, you know, it's not as obvious. And now we're just. We're just taking one person's judgment, the official on the field, and we're, we're replacing it with another person's judgment. Yeah, we can look at it on video, but it doesn't eliminate all potential for mistakes. Somebody else could still make a mistake looking at it in replay. So I, I don't know if we're, if we're solving the issue there. I think sure. that's fair. You know, you know, it's something that I, I love, Dean, talking to you about this stuff because you do have like – Four degrees of Kevin Bacon here, the, the ramifications that no no one thinks about. You know, it's like there ought to be a rule, there ought to be a law, right? And then, well, let's talk about what all the things that happen. And, and, and it's very true. We always get that out of you, so we appreciate it. Um, let's go on just really quick. Since you're you're a Lions fan now, there's there's something that's been coming up on the Reddit, and this is not a, not associated with the New Orleans thing, but Rams and Patriots in the Super Bowl here. And uh, the Rams had their first stumble of the year. They they did win when they played the the Lions, but it, the Lions' defense was the first one to just really put them in their place, keep them between the hashes, shut them down, and 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 showed that the the Rams are um, vulnerable or could be vulnerable. Um, the Patriots they they got the stink smashed out of them uh, at Ford Field by the Lions. Again, it was a defensive uh, job where the the Lions were able to uh, very very strongly play and beat the Patriots. How much do you think these teams are watching Lions film ahead of this, uh, ahead of this big Super Bowl game? I just, to be honest with you, I just think we should just scrap Sunday and let's give the trophy to the Lions and be done with it. This, I mean, they, this guy, right? her, okay. you Perfect. know, <laughs> let's just, you know let's how to just do it. Right. <laughs> make, I mean, why are we even playing when we know that the Lions are clearly the superior team? <laughs> See, this guy is good. This guy is good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome stuff. Well, Dean, thanks a lot, man. I, I know the kids are running around. I know you guys are hungry out there on the West Coast. It's time to do your thing. Really appreciate you joining us uh, for the show this time, as as you do. And on short notice, man, you're the best. You got it, guys. Always always happy to come on. All right. Definitely time uh, to go. We couldn't wait to the end. <laughs> we almost made better. it. We almost made it. <laughs> you know what? He just—he actually just watched the replay of the Calvin Johnson play. I think that's—I <laughs> think that's what happened. I think that's what happened. You're raising them right, Dean. <laughs> yes. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Have All a great right, night. Cheers. We'll talk to you. All right. Always great to have Dean on. Breaking news, and when there's breaking news. There's no excuses. We go straight to the Riz. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, it's good to be with you guys on uh, emergency basis. But yeah. it, it was fortuitous timing on this. You don't. You, you sound like you might have a little something going on up in the schnauzer there, buddy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in need of my head having a few more holes drilled in it to drain some stuff out. Oh no! Sorry, probably all the flying, right? Dude, fly. Planes are the worst incubators of death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get home safe? Did everything all go that air? Everybody else is breathing. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Did you get home safe and smooth? No TSA problems or anything? I did. Um, actually, they were having a cooking show in the Chicago airport too, so I got fed for free. Oh, and for all the fifteen minutes and ran off to uh, high school basketball games on Friday night. So That's life was awesome. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank right, you so for news, everything. Well, I got to thank Riz. He treated me so well okay, out there. Okay, we had such okay. a good time at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I want to let the poor man go to bed. Okay, fine. Okay. So there's some guy we hired, Riz, and, and I don't know how to feel. Tell me how to how to feel about Sean Ryan as the uh, well. You wanted him as offensive coordinator, didn't you? I did. My pants blew off my my torso, <laughs> legs, or whatever the heck I wore my pants on. That wasn't from a Hulk um, sneeze, was it? Yes, no, <laughs> thankfully, no. I was I was ecstatic for this. He was my number one candidate to be the offensive coordinator. He has worked. He's been the Houston. He he. Okay, so George Godsey was the Lions' quarterback coach. When he came to Detroit from Houston, Sean Ryan took that over. Before that, Sean Ryan was their wide receivers coach. Guess who he worked with? DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. These guys are pretty good football players. I've heard of them. Before that, he was the New York Giants wide receivers coach. Guess who he worked with there? Odell Beckham, pretty good football player. Rings a bell. Before that. a long time with the Giants, yeah. Yeah, before that, he was the Eli Manning quarterback coach when Eli had – remember, like, well, they try to get rid of Eli every year in the New York media, but there was, like, a time like seven to eight years ago where they're, like, really serious about going to do it. And they brought in um, uh, uh, David Carr, not Derek Carr. So, like, yeah. they push him. And, and, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking here. Too much cold medicine. Sean Ryan, thank you. <laughs> John Ryan um, got him to be a Pro Bowl quarterback and won some playoff games um, and sort of revived Eli. Eli's best statistical year to that point. Yeah, he did. So it's it's a great hire. He is a he is not going to call plays. He is not that kind of schemer. And I think that actually played against him in the OC thing. He is a teacher, developer of talent, a motivator, a guy who is going to he is in Detroit, and I tweeted this out. He is in Detroit to get Matt Stafford back to being a pro bowler and throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. That is his mission in Detroit. Do you think Matthew's going to be receptive to that? I think <laughs> he's lost the ability to say no to that. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, uh, Case, are your pants still on, or um, are, are you blown off? Well, I'm definitely, you know, when you, when you end up... Okay, so first of all, getting guys to come over on a lateral move is never an easy thing to do, um, especially a guy with upward mobility in mind. So, I mean, that's everything to this points to anybody who thinks that the Lions can't get good people. This is an example to the contrary. There you go. Or that the Lions won't pay for them. The Fords won't pay for them, right? The whole old hackneyed right. crap about, hey, the Fords, they got to get rid of the, they can't be owners, sell the team, right? It's, it's not the case. They brought a guy over on a lateral. That- All these overpaid players, yet they won't pay for anybody. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so breaking news, Sean Ryan got some good inside scoop. I know you spent some time looking at him through the Texans' eyes and and even before that. So uh, really, really good stuff. Riz, thanks for joining us. One thing, I just I just want to relive this. We, we had it early, but Riz was here for this. So just one audio moment from the Senior Bowl I want to bring back for everybody. Hey, Case. This is Justin Rogers from Detroit News. I've been talking to Chris, and I, I hear the things you're saying about me, and it's not cool, man. You keep that up. I'm going to come for you. There you go. All right. <laughs> Good times, good times. All right, Riz, thanks so much, man. Get better, buddy. I hope you. I hope it doesn't last too long and you, you get rid of that thing. Yeah, me too. Thanks, right. guys. Right. Yeah, you too, bud. We'll see you. We'll talk to you next week. All right. And on that bombshell, we will end the show this week. Remember, the show needs your involvement. Use the comments in the subreddit to give us your feedback. We love your feedback. And once you're done in the sub, giving us the feedback, go on over to iTunes, 
Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find us, and give us that five-star rating. Let people know how great the show is. Also, don't forget about us on Patreon. Get access to the great Slack channel, all the other stuff going on. It's at patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. As little as a dollar a month donation will get you access to that stuff. Take advantage of it, man. It's, it's definitely worth it. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, and follow us on Twitter at D-E-T Lions podcast, D-E-T Lions podcast, the very best place to see Case. Wearing like four pairs of pants because it's too cold. (laughs) Calls via Skype, Detroit Lions podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions podcast, or call us on the Lions line, 929-33-LIONS. 929-335-4667 and go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com subscribe to the podcast so we can come in your little box automagically. Thank you for tuning in and we're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no problems because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Final seconds winding down and look at that. How Big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. Hey, Dean Blandino here, and I can tell you unequivocally that call was 100% wrong. Hey, Case, this is Justin Rogers from Detroit News. I've been talking to Chris, and I, I hear the things you're saying about me, and it's not cool, man. You keep that up. I'm going to come for you. This guy needs a, and I'm going to find him and just give him a big. <laughs> f-